You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. There are the famous touch tones beginning our straight talk segment on Real Presence Live. And Father Leffer and I would certainly like to hear from you. 877-795-0122 is the number to call. Uh, any questions about uh, goings-on in the church and the world and how to view them with a Catholic lens, perhaps, uh, you can also leave questions on our Facebook page at Real Presence Radio. You know, it's true. Please don't let us off easy because, well, we have a plethora of topics that we would love to dive into this morning, and we will, because Father Gross and I, we have the gift for gab, and we inspire <laughs> one another to talk more, not less. But <laughs> don't let us off easy. Give us a call. It's important for us to hear what's on your minds as well. Absolutely. What kinds of things are weighing on your hearts uh, that uh, you might be looking for a perspective that uh, you're not getting in other places. 877 795 yeah. and, and they're definitely... Father Gross, there are so many things in the world, and the church, yeah. just mm-hmm. everywhere right now. And people right. have very impassioned thoughts, feelings, mm-hmm. ideas about all these things. And this is the venue Indeed. to express those. Before we get into those, though, um, I did want to just uh, touch back on something from a couple of weeks ago. If memory serves, it was a glorious... A warm Saturday, that first Saturday in October for the inaugural Nepomuk Gnarly. Give us a little bit of a... Yes, the inaugural Nepomuk Gnarly was this this crazy priest from Pisic, North Dakota, had this idea about this bike race, and it it all came together in an extremely short time, and I would tell people, I lived my own Hallmark movie. There just wasn't any (laughs) kissing at the end, you know what I mean? (laughs) There were bucketfuls of miracles everywhere. We, I mean... People came together, they worked together, which that in itself isn't a miracle because the people are like that who I serve, you know, but I mean, the things that happened in in the community and locally, I mean, from just, just locally, we, it was over 200 people who came to participate in the event. There was probably, I suppose, close to 500 people came that day for the, the street fair, the food trucks, the, all this, we had uh, participants as far away as Colorado and Virginia, Russia, who came. To, I mean, it was just it was crazy. Um, the people who met on those kind of the the pro circuit or the the high level gold level. We, for me, the huge success of the day though was there was over 110 family and children who took part in the ice cream loop, and everybody did this this ice cream one. Here's some of the miracles. It's October. It was 85 degrees. The the biggest complaint of the day. No. Too warm? <laughs> no. the, the, the beer garden was too hot. They needed more shade for the beer garden. Okay, that was anyway. I mean, but it just like everybody had so much fun, and um, yeah. So we're we have a meeting on November seventh to plan next year's great event, and so thank you to everybody who came and participated, and it, it was just it was a wonderful boost in the arm. Shot mm-hmm. in the arm for the town of Pisa and surrounding area and people. Okay, so you had a. I, I'm assuming there was a contest in terms of like who was the the, the fastest rider and stuff. Oh my like gosh, that. yes. So, so we had um, there's a 50 mile race, a uh, uh, 25 miles. So that's the gold and silver, and then a six mile. Mm-hmm. The the guy who who won the 50 mile race. I've never. He's can't even be human. I mean he. 
I've never seen somebody ride a bike over this rough train so fast. In my <laughs> you life. had an just, android in your. Uh, <laughs> he was incredible. <laughs> he, he actually was from Russia. He grew up in Russia. He's an American citizen. He was like eight when he came here. Just his name was Enos. And fast. I mean, these, these athletes that we met, we had we had some uh, Olympic athletes who they're con, um, training for the Olympics and so forth who showed up, and and every one of them. They just said, we are telling our friends we're coming back. This is a fantastic event. And, and it just, you know, you... And, uh, yeah, and I could talk about some of the women athletes and stuff, too. There's so many stories. But yeah. it, it was beautiful. It was fun. And uh, the, the local people had a blast. And a lot of them opened their homes. And, and a lot of the athletes and stuff stayed in the homes and stuff. And there are all kinds of stories yeah. between the athletes and the kids. I mean, it, it was just... It couldn't have been... A better blessing from the Lord. Well, and good for involved, you guys, so. and and I'm just I'm delighted to hear about that, and I'm sure a lot of people had some nostalgia because there are so many small towns uh, in this region, whether it be Pizek or other places, that once upon a time would have large festivals of some sort, whether it is an annual thing or even weddings and stuff like that, and it probably brings back memories. Okay, so of here, the here, hustle here, and muscle. Here, here's one more little. I just got it. You know, so now there was the weather perfect of the day, but the night before we had just enough rain, so the bean farmers couldn't harvest in the morning and it was hot enough so the sugar beet farmers couldn't farm in the morning so everybody had to come and have good good food and fellowship it was just perfect just for the day we Very had this good. one day that the yeah. lord gave us to not think about politics not think about weather the bad crop prices the, the, the right, drought this year right and it, it was just a blessing and again i i know anyway Thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for asking. Fantastic, absolutely. One eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two is the number to call in order to visit with us on Straight Talk today. And uh, yeah, that's uh, it, it's really been a remarkable um, late summer and early fall. These are the first uh, below freezing temperatures night, that we've yeah. had. Yeah, and uh, because it's been so warm in the last uh, several weeks, the sugar beet harvest had been delayed. So what you're seeing now is a lot of traffic with the uh, trucks and and the, uh, the 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 stray sugar beet that's fallen off a truck lying on an intersection <laughs> the lonely sugar beet and here's the irony of it normally you have to wait to get your corn in you have to wait for the first freezes yes to, to dry it to make it so you can go this year because of the drought and the way it happened the corn harvest is almost complete probably by the end of this week it will be mm-hmm. where normally that would go into november yeah. even so i mean it's it's kind of Yep. strange how things have wrapped right. up this year you know and, and sugar beets uh, you know in terms of how resilient they are we kind of see we, we saw that this summer because they had to tap roots very deep in order to get into subsoil moisture with the bone dry conditions that we had in parts of july and august and for them to pull through relatively speaking the way that they did it's yeah. really really a blessing well um straight talk is the segment that we're in eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. we are waiting to hear from you folks your father in danger of going all agriculture on people we better get into some of our topics yes yes. you and i two farm kids that we are we'll we'll keep going down this road yes yes indeed now um one thing that came up and actually this was was kind of in the works for a while but the story became pretty widespread here just this past week uh the city i catania in sicily one of the largest cities in the island of sicily and the, the archbishop there came up with a rather unusual decision he decided that in his archdiocese for a three-year period of time the baptism of little ones will not be accompanied by the choosing of godparents 
So, um, you know, and, and of course, people can do the, the stereotypical things, you know, like, when I saw the headline, I thought, I originally thought the Archbishop is coming out and putting a ban on the movie The Godfather. That's what I thought. This is <laughs> Either that or I thought it might be a satire like The Onion or something like that rather than an actual story. So let's just take a minute or two to dig, you know, down into this, like what the uh, motives are and, and what's really going on in terms of their perspective okay. on this. I have some very strong reactions to this, but before I give the reactions, let, let's give some, let's try to be objective as to kind of what's going on. So wouldn't you say, Father Gross, even in our time, and mm -hmm. here in our situation, we do have these baptismal situations where you it's you can't find godparents or the one or the ones that they are proposing are yeah. the last right. people on the, the face the of the immediate family does not supply someone who, according to canon law, really ought to be a godmother or godfather. And, and what would be some of the reasons, or what would be some of the qualifications for being a godparent that would say, well, this person really shouldn't be a godparent? I mean, what would be some right? Of those you know, well, in, in on the positive side. Um, fully initiated in the faith and and being a positive moral example, so that if you know you're um, observing how a person is is conducting themselves, and it's not just a matter of you know fulfilling their Sunday obligation in church, but if they're you know not part of anything that's scandalous or notorious and stuff like that, you know it just uh, one of the things that I like to say just um, as anecdotally, when I'm visiting with uh, young couples as they're do in doing the baptism prep, I say, don't pick Uncle Charlie to be the godfather because nobody has asked him to be a godfather yet. Various things like that. There might, you know? there might be a good reason why Uncle Charlie <laughs> shouldn't be the godfather. Yeah, yeah, and, and, if, and if you're listening and your name is Charles or Charlie, <laughs> and our apologies, but it just you, you take my meaning. Okay, okay so the, what... Um, so basically at the heart of it is it's really to be a spiritual father or spiritual mother for this child in Christ, in the sacraments, in the church. This is the whole, I mean, the church is very wise when she's saying, if you're being initiated coming in, this is a beginning, not an end. And so we want this fertile ground for the little seed that's planted here. And we need to support you now in, in that because I think he put a ban. Did he put a ban on sponsors as well? For yeah, which, it would be now that's even more controversial. But right, yeah, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's it's for a three-year time limit, and and those things because in, in many cases, especially when confirmation happens in uh, adolescence, baptism and confirmation don't have the close link in people's minds that they may tend to have. You know, so in a lot of cases, the confirmation sponsor is either the baptismal godmother or godfather if a family chooses to do that. In my position, it was a cousin because there were so many cousins, there were so many good people to choose from right. that they figured, well, we're not just going to stick with the baptismal godparents for the confirmation sponsor. You know, and then coming to that point too, you were saying earlier about don't pick Uncle Charlie, yeah. whatever, but, but also on the positive side, I always tell people when they're doing this to say, look, this isn't just about honoring somebody. Like, think, the two of you come together, think, in your life, who who is the the greatest example that you know as a man and a woman who who communicates the faith that inspires you that that you would want your child to be inspired by it across their life, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a relative or right. kind of thing. And also, what are the goals for your child when you think about what their life is going to become? Is it just about material success, uh, prestige, or various other things like that? Or is it about their discipleship, their relationship with Christ? And how can a godmother or godfather do that? Now, you had made a comment uh, before we came on air that 
the, the, the role of the new evangelization really is a matter of trying to help prepare people for this rather than to just jettison right. okay, you know, so, the, the label. So, so there's the strong, the, the strong reaction that comes is, mm-hmm. that happens to me is, what are we, you know, th- th- it makes me think of interdict. Interdict is a canonical process where there's something horrible happening in a parish and the bishop will come and say for X amount of time, maybe for a year or three years, you're not going to get any sacraments in this church because you've so maliciously, you know, whatever. So to me, this is like an interdict. It's saying the the bishop in his spiritual authority is saying, you're not going to have the comfort or the benefits of godparents' responses for this amount of time because you're not you're not uh, honoring re- it seriously or what, what it yeah. really is about. And after this, we'll revisit it and see if you're ready to have it. So my strong reaction to that is like, okay, I acknowledge the n- negative part of this, what's yeah. going on, but my gosh, doesn't that tell us that now we, we really need to get down and, and start evangelizing, start teaching, start catechizing, start. I mean, this is what it's exposing is that yeah. basically we, we have a drought of, knowledge, understanding, inspiration, right. relationship with Christ, right. the sacraments yeah. of the church. Where, where is the therapeutic end, you might say, to trying to correct this? You know, And it would be interesting to see the boots on the ground in terms of pastors and parishes and that archdiocese and how they're moving forward with this new reality. So you and I, yeah. in a very practical way, when we have these, like, I take that as an advantage. Okay, maybe this isn't the best choice, but they're choosing it, and I can't say they shouldn't for whatever. Okay, we're going to take an opportunity now to try to teach, educate, and inspire at this moment the best we can to get them jump-started, hopefully down the road mm-hmm. of being a good exactly. godparent. So 877-795-0122 is that number, and we do have a call on the line. Francis is calling in from Pizek, North Dakota, of all places. Welcome to Real Presence Live. Yeah, uh, thank you. Uh, it's kind of a question pertaining to the rosary. Absolutely. Um, you got the joyful mysteries, the sorrowful mysteries, and glorious mysteries. Mm-hmm. And I guess that is kind of a question to kind of see if I can stump you guys or not, but probably not. Uh, the luminous mysteries that came about, I mean, why if, uh, the rosary is not really broke, so why was it fixed and you added the luminous right. mysteries to it? <laughs> and when did it happen? And I guess okay, a little right. explanation on each of the mysteries too right francis this is father leffer we'll we'll give you yep. one for another so um i know that you you experienced the nepomuk gnarly up there as well we will answer your question if you give us your okay. input on what, what how was your experience with that event up there no it's great and i just from what happened i'm looking you know next year i think it's going to be pretty big <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Yes, yes, indeed. Well, thank you for your question, Francis. Um, In the year, I believe it was 2002, um, Pope uh, John Paul II, and uh, actually, incidentally, tomorrow, I believe, is the memorial for Pope St. John Paul II, instituted this additional set of mysteries, which traditionally are prayed on Thursday as a day of the week. And there's additional meaning to this for me, because my predecessor here at the parish that I'm fortunate enough to be pastor of commissioned paintings of murals of each of those five scenes of the Luminous Mysteries in the sanctuary of our church here at St. Mary's Church in downtown Grand Forks. So there is a beautiful 
pictorial reminder of it as well. One of the ways that I like to speak about it is to use the analogy of ordinary time. Uh, the liturgical season of ordinary time seems to a lot of people is just like the leftovers. Well, it's not one of the other things like Advent, Christmas, Lent, or Easter. Although leftovers are very good. Yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, so there, you have this number of weeks and, and the posture that I like to talk about in terms of when you come to Mass on a Sunday in ordinary time, it's like you're accompanying the Lord in his public ministry. You're following where he goes, you're listening to what he says, you're watching what he's doing, you're paying attention to the miracles, you know, various other things like that. So the time frame of the Luminous Mysteries, and I believe the Holy Father spoke about this in his letter to promulgate them, was to draw the faithful's attention to that time frame rather than just looking at sort of the beginning um, of the New Testament with the joyful and then, you know, with the end of the Paschal mystery of the sorrowful and glorious, but to, um, to reflect upon these key moments in the life of Christ in his public ministry, which ordinary time, in a sense, unfolds for us every single year. And then, then Francis, to address you, had the specific part about why fix something that isn't broken, right? Which is, a, you know, that's a great point. So a little history on that. So if you if you look at the rosary, there's if you prayed the whole traditional rosary, there's 150 Hail Marys. And those 150 Hail Marys come from the Psalms, 150 Psalms. And so the numeration, the, anyway. Yeah, yeah, the numeration. There we go. So um and where that comes from is the rosary is a popular, meaning of the people, way of joining those who are consecrated to praying those 150 Psalms, who though like re priests, religious brothers and sisters and even lay people, there are some who are consecrated every day, seven times a day, to pause and pray, pray these psalms. And they become the voice of the second person of the Trinity to the first person of the Trinity here on earth, incarnate. We become this dialogue between heaven and earth through those psalms. Now, somebody like you, Francis, who you're busy laboring all day, and you don't have time to pause and to go and pray the psalms and so forth, but... You know, I know you, you're a very faithful man, you've got a rosary with you, and, and throughout the day you do, you know, through the inspiration of your mom and others, you, you, you have a strong devotion to that rosary, and so you reflect on those mysteries and, and, and pray. And so you're saying, well, you know, it's, it's not broken, we have this traditional 150, why do we need, why do we need five more decades? And the, the thing about it is, that's the beauty about devotions. Like, devotions are not set in stone saying that this is the absolute way it has to be done. And John Paul even mentioned that. He, he said there could have been other mysteries that were put in there, but he chose these. And, and it's exactly what Father Gross was saying. He, he wanted to give us more, not less, to say the practice of praying the devotion of the rosary should inspire us to take those mysteries of the lives of Christ to reflect on them in a regular way. Right. And when you look at the particular mysteries, some of them are very specific in terms of a time and place with regard to the baptism of our Lord at the Jordan and also the um, uh, the first miracle at the wedding in Cana. The third mystery of the proclamation of the kingdom of God is basically an encapsulation of those initial encounters where Jesus is um, meeting people and saying the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. We then have the transfiguration um, and then the last mystery is the institution of the Last Supper, um, the, the institution of the, the Eucharist, uh, the body and blood of Christ that sacramented at the Last Supper. So these are uh, touch points for um, uh, bringing us into that area as we reflect. So thank you very much, Francis, for that okay. question, and uh, all, all the best to you folks up in Walsh County.
Okay. Well, thank you very much for the answer. Appreciate that. Thank you. Okay. We have a few minutes left here. Eight seven 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 nine five zero one. You know, for all those in Walsh County who are listening to, I know it's going to sound crazy, but we're. Walsh County's having their county fair this week. It's fair week, and everyone's like, what? Well, traditionally, it's because the potato harvest was over, and that's why it's there. So traditionally, it's there, and it doesn't make sense because the state fair was... Well, and I was going to ask you, it's sort of a cold ride on the Ferris wheel when it's 40 (laughs) degrees. (laughs) Hey, we're we're used to dressing in layers. Oh, okay, very good. Okay. (laughs) Yes, yes, indeed. So um, there is a listener question that I want to just uh, address briefly, and then, uh, Father Leffer, you can kind of pick up here. Uh, Thank you, Terry, for bringing bringing this question into us uh, from uh, some part of North Dakota. He's asking, what is the difference between the words theophany and epiphany? And he wants us to give three examples of, uh, of each. Well, what I'm going to start by saying is epiphany, I guess, I think of as a more official term with regard to a manifestation outside of a given area so that when the wise men show up in Bethlehem, it is a representation of the nation. So it's not just the people of Bethlehem who saw the light of the star, who heard about this pious young couple from Nazareth, but that we are embodied, you might say, in Casper uh, and Melchior and Balthazar who came to um, who, who who came to the stable that day. Uh, theophany is a little bit more of a general term in terms of a manifestation of God's presence and God's glory. And so I was jotting a couple of things down. Uh, we just spoke about the trans transfiguration, really, as a a revelation of the glory of Jesus and Moses and Elijah appearing with him and his clothes becoming uh, dazzling white, etc. Elijah, there was a a popular theophany as he faced off against the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, uh, the first book of Kings, chapter 18, where without touching fire to the sacrifice and drenching it with all these jars of water, um, that fire came down from heaven to consume the sacrifice as a way of illustrating that uh, the one true God is God. And, uh, you know, there are some interesting uh, elements in that story where Elijah is feeling a little bit chesty and he's given the business, to, you know, <laughs> to the prophets who were, uh, the false prophets who were trying to call down their God, you know, without uh, starting a fire. And then also there's that story from the book of Judges regarding the parents of Samson, that uh, when he was born and a messenger said that uh, he was not to uh, shave his head and that he was to be a, you know, a great leader and a warrior among the people. And uh, uh, Samson's, I believe his mom was, was fearing for her life because of what she had seen from this messenger. And her husband had to basically, um, you know, reason with her and say, if he wanted us dead, we'd be dead right now. You know? But it was it's for a greater purpose that we were enabled to see this this wonder as well as receiving this message. Yeah, that's that's great. You you got you got the examples there. I see I you know, we were teasing earlier about words and alliteration and all this, whatever. I just I, I love words. I love because mm-hmm. words reveal and this way you're always encouraged to know a little Greek and a little Latin because it'll re- reveal the roots of things. And so yes. We want to know the difference between theophany and epiphany. Well, you go right to the heart of what's being shown to us. So, theo is in Greek is God. So, a theophany is a revelation of God, and that that can come by God Himself manifesting Himself. Think of like the burning bush, right? Or it can come another angelophany, where the angels come and appear, but they are. It's really a theophany in the sense that they are 
they're manifesting the presence of the divine, the Almighty, is being mm-hmm. revealed and right. and made known. Like say, and and for example, when the 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 angel that appears to Samson's mother, you know, says, "Why do you want to know my name, which is mysterious?" So right. in other words, Meaning, it's, I'm from God. It's like, not all about me. It's in or so you can think of. So for example, uh, if you take the Annunciation, yes. The nun, okay, wait. Well, before I do that, okay. the Epiphany. Epiphany is it's it's known as the proclamation of the king. It has something to do with the king or the new king or the king from the throne from the. So th- there's the theophany and the epiphany. It's you know, easy way to get a hold of it is like oh one one is the manifestation of God, another is the king is revealing something. It's for the whole people going out. So take um, like for example the Annunciation. In a way, you could say both are happening there because right. theophany, God is being made known in the womb of the Virgin Mary. God Himself is literally becoming man at that moment. There is a there is a revelation of God taking place, but there's also an epiphany in the sense there's this announcement going out, declaring uh, that the, the new King is here. The King has come. So that's a moment where both theophany and epiphany are actually happening hand in hand at the. At that place. So. Yes, yes, indeed. Terry, thank you very much for that question. We uh, we do appreciate that. It was a way of, um, uh, you know, clarifying a couple of these. And heaven knows, Father, there are plenty of confusing terms when it comes to... Well, uh, <laughs> how often do you, you and I are scrambling 30 seconds before preaching and like, what's that word again? What's that word again? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, indeed. Yeah. No. Speaking of yeah, speaking of preaching, just a, a little anecdote. We have a couple of minutes left here. Um, Wednesdays are the typical days for school masses at our elementary school, and uh, this is about four years ago. Shortly after I arrived, I uh, had my turn for celebrating mass, and yesterday's gospel was a. Not necessarily a, a child-friendly message about, you know, it's a, uh, the difference between a servant who is prepared to receive his master and is, uh, you know, having that watchfulness and those who are not, you know. And so there's a st- statement of being beaten severely. And, being you know, beaten lightly. Be, <laughs> yeah, choice. beaten only lightly, <laughs> way, but deserving get, of a severe beating. You're going to you get know? beaten either way. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was facing this dilemma, you know, on this particular day as these cheerful young faces are standing, you know, in the pews, you know, during Mass, and I was thinking to myself, I'm not going to swap out this, you know, because I don't want to get into the habit of changing out, and the Church gives us these scripture, you know, passages on these days, you know, in the two-day weekday cycle, but uh, yeah, I mean, there are times where you have to get creative. I was like, well, okay, I I guess I'm just going to have to speak of all this in terms of the previous parable about when the Master comes home from the wedding, and instead of the house being dark and nobody watching out for him, that the servants are alert, even though it's pitch dark in the middle of the night, and he's so grateful that he performs this role reversal. He says, "You sit down, and I'm going to serve you." You know, so so there is a there are those moments where you look at what uh, uh, what the scriptures give you, and you have to improvise, right? <laughs> you know, but you, you know, you bring up a great point, though, and I mm-hmm. I've always found like in those at those just like you said, at those moments you're tempted to like whatever. It's like I always realize what happens if you actually just tell the people what it says, and and I've done that sometimes, and, and at those times, it's funny because like it's almost like things break open that you never envisioned, or whatever. And that's that's where God's ways are not our ways, right? He right. gives us this hard word, and like Lord, give me a different word, you know. And, and somehow we have to figure out how to be faithful to what's been given. It's it is the holy, it's the Holy Spirit's mission. It's not our own. So thanks to those who participated in the uh, Straight Talk program here por- portion of our program. So we're going to be stepping aside for a break here at the top of the hour. Up next, are you searching for a way to grow deeper in your faith and relationship with God? 
God, especially for younger younger people or your uh, teenage uh, sons and daughters. We will be right back with some special guests in studio to tell us about that. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Please stay with us. Music. 